Actually, Krishna is full in himself, but and sweet, but so is sugar sweet, but it cannot taste itself. So sometimes Krishna is described like this, and for the purpose of tasting himself, then that Ladini Shakti manifests as Sri Radha, and in this manifestation, if you will, all these things are talked about in the like eternal present tense. Of course, we want to fit them as you are trying to between your ears, in your head, and that's all difficult. Achinchikalo ye baba, things that are inconceivable. We should not try to understand them with the limits of our reasoning. But at any rate, to talk about events that are beyond time, that words are not adequate to deal with, we must nonetheless invent some words and use some reasoning and so forth in the world of 
words and reasoning to try to express them. So they will always fall short. That's a fact. But sometimes, as I say, some logic, some analogy, some poetry, we employ to try to convey the idea. Once I was walking with Prabhupada in Vrindavan, and one of my godbrothers asked Prabhupada that, Prabhupada, here we are in Vrindavan, and yesterday we took a bus to uh, Govardhan, and the day before that we took a bus to Barshana, place of Radharani's home and so forth. And it's said in the scriptures, in the Bhagavatam, that Krishna's going from Vrindavan to Govardhan and Barshan and moving all these places. We had to take a bus to go there. <laughs> it took a long time to go there and to come all the way back. How can he, you know, go to all these places in the course of a day like that on foot? And so Prabhupada said that, he opened his hand, he said, that Vrindavan is like a lotus. The petals are closed, and each of the petals are Govardhan and Barshan and Vrindavan and so forth. When Krishna wants to go from one petal to the next, the lotus closes up like that, and it opens again. So this is obviously not a very... It's a, it's a kind of an explanation that will satisfy the faithful. It's a way of saying you think too much and you, you're trying to arrest something within the fist of your intellect that itself seeks to take you beyond the limits of intellect. We try to understand Krishna within our frame and reference and the whole purpose of Krishna's descent is to take us beyond our limited frame of reference through the mind, senses, and reasoning. So... We could talk about it to some extent, but the idea is, like I say, Krishna is like sugar, but sugar is going to taste itself. So to taste himself, the Ladini Shakti is manifest. And Ladini Shakti, in the form of Radha, then, is the be-all and end-all of devotion. Radha is like the channel that connects the ocean to the drop, the jiva being the drop and Krishna being the ocean. She's Bhakti Devi, the mother of devotion. So the kind of original devotee, so to speak. And Balaram is also, we should be understood, to be thought of in this regard. Bhakta Abhiman, Mool Balaram. The Abhiman, the conceit, the ego of the servant of the devotee, has its origins in Balaram. So, and the jivas are all connected to him. He's the reservoir of all jivas. Expanding the domain of Goloka, expanding as Mahasankarsha to expand the domain of Vaikuntha, expanding as the Mahavishnu to expand the domain of the material world. And jivas with each realm corresponding, coming from Baladev directly, from his expansion as Sankarsha from the incarnation as Mahavishnu. Souls for the material world, the Badajiv, souls for Vaikuntha and Kolok, Nitya, Nitya, um, Nitya Muktas, and so forth. So, at any rate, Krishna and Radha, Krishna and his primal Shakti, there's no uh, separating the two, but at the same time, they're one, they are 
different. And so your question is, which comes first, the seed or the, or the tree? Which comes first? And this example is given sometimes. She, Baladev Bidibhushana, gives the answer to understand, for example, anadi karma, begin, beginningless karma. It's hard to understand something that's termed beginningless. He says, but we have example in this world of the seed in the tree, which comes first. It's like a Zen con, you know, to help you stop thinking. Because by thinking, we will not end up knowing. <laughs> Only by stopping the thinking will we have the, uh, realize the capacity to know fully. So which comes first, Radha and Krishna or Krishna? Which comes first, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or Krishna? Gaur-lila or Krishna-lila? Krishnadas Kavirar says, Mahaprabhu's lila is like a fountain from which and in all directions flow Radha-Krishna-lila. First the giver, then the gift. Mahaprabhu is the giver, Radha-Krishna-lila is the gift. This is one way of thinking about it. Then you can reason about it the other way also. First comes Krishna and his existential crisis that we spoke about last night. And this is the genesis then of the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So these are all eternal events beyond time. We want to think about them in terms of time. So that's a little bit of a, a problem. Krishna got his flute after the Govardhan Leela from Lord Shiva, the flute that he used, the Bangsi, bamboo flute, Bangsi, to try to attract Radha's attention. After the Govardhan Leela, then Indra came at a distance to try to make amends for his offense. And Krishna out of his empathy for for him, he told his friends, wait here, I've got something to do. In other words, it's difficult for a big person who's made a mistake to apologize to the person <coughs> they've offended, but more difficult in public. If in private, it will be a little easier. So Krishna gave him the opportunity to speak in private. He went there, and Indra appeared, Surabhi, Indra's uh, elephant also, and there was the bathing of Krishna and the crowning of Krishna amidst the other gods, Brahma, Shiva, and so forth, all were present. And Krishna was given the name Govinda. And Upendra, they have, can be construed to have the same meaning. Upendra, the big Indra. Above Indra, the, the, Indra is the chief, the chief of the chief, it means, something like that. Um, so he was coronated as the god of the gods. And the cowherds were at a distance from watching the five-headed Shiva and the four-headed Brahma and the man with the eyes all over his body, Indra, and strange people, they thought. And they all brought some gift for Krishna. 
ornaments, beautiful vestments, clothing and so forth. And Shiva gave a bamboo flute. So when the gods flew off and Krishna reunited with his friends and the friends said, who's that five-headed guy? And give me that. And who was the man with the four four mouths talking about? <laughs> give me that. And they took the things that, that Krishna had been given were wearing them himself. And so on. Krishna kept the flute. And the gods are flying across the sky as it's depicted poetically. And I'm thinking, who are these people? They are wondering who we are. But we are wondering who they are. It's understandable that they might wonder who we are because they're simple village people. They don't know much about us. They're not well versed in the scriptures and so forth. But that we should wonder who they are, that is muhyanti atsuraya. That is our position. As Bhagavatam says, there's a message that even the gods will find difficult to understand. What is Krishna? And Krishna means Krishna and his friends. Krishna and his Radha, Krishna and his devotees. All these village people whose bhakti is not obscured by jnana, by knowledge. Who are one with him in every respect. They've crossed over, as I said the other day, the, the idea of worship. They see no difference between the object of worship and themselves. That is called love. Not worship. Love. So, a unity between the object of love and the love itself. Achintya veda ved. So Krishna, anyway, he took the flute and he went to his his moon tower. There's a tower at his house for moon gazing, stargazing. And there he went and he began to practice playing on the flute. And every day he would practice and he found that he had great powers that when he would play the flute, water would turn into land, and land would turn into water. Tejo varimadam nita vinimayo vetrati sargo amrsha. Again from the first verse of Bhagavatam. Tejo varimadam nita vinimayo vetrati sargo amrsha. When water turns into land, the land turns into water when he plays his flute. The inanimate things change it. And then he found the cows would give milk when he played his flute. <laughs> and so forth. And it's so first on the inanimate things he had an effect. Then the animate things going up on the scale. And then the fifth note he played. And with the fifth note he was able to attract all of the gopis. All of them except Radha. So he sent them all back. The idea being that all of them combined could not compare to one gopi, Radha. So in this way his flute playing with regard to attracting Radha began. It took some time for him to become adept enough. First occasion described in Gopal Champu, as I said, he couldn't attract couldn't quite bring Radha there. Every other gopi came. 
After all, that was in broad daylight anyway, in the forest nonetheless. So then he came back and he was totally despondent at his failure. And he placed himself entirely in the hands of Madhu Mangal, who was expert to console him, and Brinda Devi also. And then he found out that although he was not able to attract Radharani to come, the reason was that she did not come is because she passed out hearing the flute. So he got a little bit. He was uplifted from his despondency. It's working. And she passed out. Therefore, she didn't come. She would have come otherwise. I had an effect upon her. But that she was passed out, then there was also a concern and deeply passed out, so that Purnamasi became very concerned. Brindadevi became very concerned. She might not wake up. So Purnamasi said, you have to touch him. He said, I'm a brahmachari. How can I touch her? That's not possible. But one thing led to another, and he woke her up. So then, of course, time went on and as he matured a little bit he was able to call her in the dead of the night along with the others and show her a special treatment that she was due. So Krishna played the flute and, and Radha came. But Krishna played the flute by the force of his attraction to Radha. That was his whole interest in playing the flute. He had no other purpose in mind. Every other purpose that was accomplished was a side effect of that. So his whole motivation to play the flute, because of his playing the flute, you want to know, is what was Radha. And the cause of Radha's coming was the playing of his flute. So you wanted to know, did Radha cause Krishna to play the flute, or did Krishna... Right, play the flute and cause Radha. <laughs> so it depends how you want to look at it. There are different positions may be taken by different sects also. The gopis will take one one position and the cowards will take another. The gopis will take the side of Radha and the cowards will take the side of Krishna, except for some cowards who are wise enough to work between both groups. Depending on the circumstance, they will take one side or another side. Radha Snehadika and Krishna Snehadika. Both things are there, so the different angles of vision from the point of view of Bhava to analyze any uh, such transcendental event and its cause. But it's all causeless. It's all beyond the realm of cause and effect is the idea of the word Ahitaki, causeless. It's not a product of this world. Diksha is the sound of Krishna's flute. So, do we find the guru or does the guru find us? Depends how you look at that. You look at it one way you think, he or she found me. The other way you think, I, I was searching hard. It's my effort. <laughs> hmm. it's teacher and student. Is there any meaning to the teacher with no students? Is there any meaning to the student without a teacher? So the two are, if there's to be a teacher, there must be a student. If there's a student, there must be a teacher. 
These two are inseparable, therefore we are eternally connected. Guru and, guru and disciple, our heart, as we spoke, give the heart, our prospect coming before us, our highest prospect coming before us. Therefore, it's not an artificial imposition. We feel at home there in such company. Our own heart's possibilities personified, coming to answer. And therefore, when the Guru speaks, then we think, yes, that's what I thought. Yeah, I feel like that. Yes, that's he said it better than I could have, but I, that's how I feel. Also, <laughs> something like that. So just articulating our own heart, and which is not so good sometimes. It's a little covered, so it can't speak itself fully. It's a little cluttered. So that began, sometimes it said that Oz didn't give anything to the tin man that he didn't already have. <laughs> right? He wanted a heart. <laughs> so we have a heart. Krishna is coming in the agency of Guru to just help us realize the potential of the heart by association. The heart has more potential than otherwise. But the fact that it has potential with regard to association says something about it that makes it different from matter. Matter does not have the same potential. If Radha is the Swayam Shakti, the original Shakti, then the Jeev Shakti and Maya Shakti must have some connection with her because they are also Shakti Tattva. So Taku Bhakti Vinod has described then the jiva as a partial manifestation of surup shakti, the maya shakti as a distorted manifestation of surup shakti. So in surup shakti we have sandini, a super existence, the dham, dham. It means also light. So natad bhasha ete suryo nashashanko napavaka yadgatvan nivartante tadama paramamama. Natad bhāsāyate suryo nashāsaṅko napāvaka. That place, he says about this place, is dham. It is self-illumined. There is no need of sun. Neither moon, which light the day and the night. Neither fire. And Prabhupāda says, electricity. In this translation, modern translation. No need for sun, for moon, for fire or electricity that lights London at night. When Prabhupada first came to New York, he wrote back to India, he said, and at night, everywhere is lit up. More more than the day, practically, in India. Everyone, there's light everywhere. But that place, self-illumined, means there's no ignorance there, no darkness there. Dham. Dhamma nirasta kuhakam satyam param dhimahi. Nirasta kuhakam. Svena sada nirasta. Svenam sada. Dhamma svena sada nirasta kuhakam satyam param dhimahi. 
Tamna Svena, his own place, Nirasta, Kuhakam. Where no one, there is no Kuhakam there, no bewilderment like we find here. If there's any bewilderment, that is the bewilderment of love, which is a kind of divine ignorance, pregnant with the kind of special knowing that can satisfy one. Luminous, self-effulgent, no darkness there. And going there, then, one who never return, the nature of the place, then, is such. One can never leave. There is no bewilderment there. No confusion. Matter, that is another thing. Sandini, super-existence, the Dham, presided over by Baladev, a super kind of Existence. In material world, we have existence too. But it's here today and gone tomorrow. All material things here today and gone tomorrow. In between that, asat, the non-real, the temporary, and sandini, that super-existence of the dham, we have sat, Inherent in the jiva. What kind of existence does the jiva have unto itself? Sat. It's eternal. Different than material things that are here today and gone tomorrow. And different from sandini. That, that is an environment, an existence that luminous and superluminous presided over by the Sarup Shakti, it shines light on a Bhagwan in a way that is not possible elsewhere. And so, wonderful Leela, Leela Moy, Ananda Moy, is enacted there. So the Jiva is in between. It has an existence, but not a super-existence, but has the potential for that, because Sat and Sandini have more likeness than sat and asat. And we have samvit in the Surup Shakti. And in Maya we have achit. Samvit is a special kind of knowing. The knowing, as I say, in love. When you love, you know what to do. So knowing yourself in relation to Bhagwan, This is full knowing. Knowing in Vaishnavism is sambandha relational. We will know ourselves fully in relation to the whole. So that's a special kind of knowing. It appears like ignorance, some of it, because they are ignorant that Krishna is God even, or to speak of so many other things. They only go to church on Sunday. They worship Narayan, but their mind is somewhere else. In the house of Nandamaraj, the Shaligram, of Nashinga is the deity. 
they worship him. But their mind is somewhere else, just like when you do Artik, your mind may go somewhere else. So they're offering to Vishnu, but their mind is on Krishna. What is my son doing? Where is he now? So it is a special kind of knowing that looks a little bit like ignorance at the same time. In the material world we have what? The knowledge is achit, really, from an absolute perspective. And the jiva in between the two has jit. Not some bit, but jit. Brahmagyan. I'm different from matter. You can know that. I exist. Sat. Nothing to fear. And in the Sarup Shakta we have Ladini. And in the material world we have Nirananda. Dukayonaya Evate. That which is thought to be the source of happiness is the source of misery, the Gita says. And in between we have Ananda. So the Jiva has little Ananda, a little relief from knowing that it exists. And existence cannot be, cannot be terminated. But in Golok we have Ladini. So when the ingress of Ladini and Samvit by Sangha enters the Jiva, Sangha through Guru Parampara, then he gains, she gains experience in Sudhashatva, in Sandini. So, we are being given, so to speak, something, but not something that we don't already have in potential. We are relational by nature, so we have the potential to associate with matter and to associate with with the uh, Swarup Shakti. If we associate with the Swarup Shakti, then that, that association causes the ingress of Swarup Shakti and the possibility for us to participate in Lilamon and Lilananda. So the point is, it's not an artificial <coughs> affair. And the Guru then comes to personify that possibility, our possibilities. Therefore, it's not foreign to us, that, uh, that principle of Guru. That's natural. So Guru and teacher, they're you know, inseparable. And the teachers, depends how you look at it, the Guru also feels these learning. If you don't get challenged, how can you learn? So disciples can be challenging. They, they ask questions too, so they keep you engaged. They give you some bodhayantas parasparam tushantichara Mutually enlightening one another and relishing these things forever. This is the idea. So which comes first, teacher or student? Which comes first? Does Radha play the cause Krishna to play the flute, or does Krishna originate that and cause Radha? That was your question, right? Something like that. <laughs> so these are all circular answers, I realize, but it's a, we have a cyclical worldview of, of time and, and so forth. Leela is going around and around. Krishna is there, and the joy of Vrindavan. And at ten and a half, eleven years, he leaves. He goes to Mathura. He goes to Dwarka. Mother Nasoda and Nanda Maharaj are lamenting. Where is Krishna? 
How could he leave us? How could we live without him? How is it possible? It's not possible. We could live without Krishna. We had such a wonderful son, but how wonderful is our situation if he's gone? Did we have a wonderful son? Maybe we didn't. Maybe we're just dreaming. Let's have a son. Let's have a, let's have a son. We should have a son. A son who is more handsome and more qualified than Narayan, even. Yes. Let us worship Narayan. See that there's Sakama. They're full of desire in their worship. We should be Nishkam. They're Sakam. They're worshiping Narayan to have a son. We are taught you should not do that. But our example was to, is doing that. So then they begin to worship Narayan for the view of having a son. Then the Leela starts over again. Then he leaves, they think he's gone. We are so fortunate. But how fortunate are we? We had a wonderful son, better than Narayan, but now he's gone. We're most unfortunate. How can we live our lives without our son? Our lives are meaningless. Then they start to think, do we, do we have a son? Are we crazy? Did, 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 we, did this happen to us? Let's have a son in this way. <laughs> it starts again. So what the question you're asking earlier is, what is... What's first, the Swarup Shakti or Krishna? They're one and different. So which causes the other? People ask, do you say that God is the cause of everything? You say, yes. And then they say, what is the cause of God? Right? Only we can answer. The Christians cannot answer that. They give some kind of answer, like things that are without cause... We know the world has a cause. We know it has a beginning. But there are things without a beginning. So we should not ask questions about that which has no beginning, as if it had a beginning. We know the world has a cause. We know the world, that's what they say. They have a linear you know, kind of perspective on time in Christianity. And science went in that direction to a large extent as well, although it's kind of turning now and there are secular conceptions of time coming up in certain scientific theories and so forth about origins and, and so forth. But anyway, they say, well, the world has a cause, has a beginning that we know. But that doesn't mean that the beginning of the world has to have a cause. Was How is that logical? Well, we know is that the world has a beginning. So the answer like that. But we have a better answer. And only we can give the answer. We see that janmadhyasya yataha. Janmadhyasya yataha. That satyam param dimahi. That satyam param dimahi. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. We offer our respect to Krishna, the son of Nanda Maharaj. Who cannot be thought of really independently of Radha. Satyam param dimahi. Let us meditate upon them the Supreme Absolute Truth, and it's dimahi, in a plural, in unison. Dhammas dyeyam sada. And without interruption, in unison. That means kirtan. Let us do kirtan. This is the meditation of Kali On the satyam param. The satyam param is the primary 
characteristic, the Saruplakshan of the Absolute, on Satyam Param, Radha and Krishna, the Supreme Truth. Satyam Param, and then the verse, Bhagavatam, first verse, describes everything else about him. Janmadya Syataha, the source of the world, Janma Adi, the generation of the world, its maintenance and destruction, all comes from him. So someone said, well, okay, again, where does he come from? Janmadhyasyataha. Then we say, oh, Janmadhyasyataha. Another explanation. He is the fountainhead of rasa, the Adi Rasa. He is the, the source of that. But if we study that original rasa in relation to Krishna, then we say, Janmad Yasyataha Anvayad Itarata. That the source is directly Krishna. And the source is indirectly Krishna. Directly and indirectly means Krishna and Krishna's Shakti. So our answer is what? That if Krishna is the source of the world, who is the source of Krishna? We say, we can answer. Radha is the source of Krishna. If they say, well, who is the source of Radha? We say, Krishna is the source of Radha. <laughs> we have the answer. Radha is Krishna the source of the world. Radha is the source of Krishna. Who is the source of Radha? Krishna. One and different at the same time. They say, what is that? We say, it is one and different at the same time. That is not logically possible. Then we like to explain that. Fortunately, life does not conform to logic. It would be very boring if it it did. It's more exciting than that. Love knows no reason. The world is born out of lila. Shristi lila. Lila of Vishnu, creation, but he, it's saikshitam, it's eko bahusham. The one desires to become many for his own joy. The world has no meaning. We can agree with Mr. Dawkins. We qualify that only. Because love has, love knows, does not answer to reason. And the more you try to capture it in the fist of your reason, the more it will it will be repulsed by you. And then you will only have reason to believe that God doesn't exist or that there's no purpose to life. It's a no-purpose purpose. Joy has no purpose. It's, if it has no purpose, only that, that joy, out of necessity, has to celebrate itself. Joy doesn't sit quietly on the bench. It has to dance and celebrate so there is movement, so there is the world. It is the, world. the world is the overflow of Radha and Krishna's love for one another. That's what it is. All these various manifestations from Golok, the, the, the Vaikuntha, the Devi Dham, and so forth, Mahesh Dham, it's, it's all coming from the love of Radha and Krishna. So, yeah. Krishna is the source of Radha, Radha is the source of Krishna. Krishna is the source of Radha. That may be 
easier to understand for some, but that Radha is the source of Krishna, it means that he has no life without her. Brahman is not animated, moving without her. Prabhupada used to say that Krishna's not that handsome, but standing next to Radha, then he becomes very handsome. So she's drawing something out of him. It's just like practical experience in material, in human life, love psychology. A man becomes more than what he could be otherwise in the company of his partner. He becomes more. He feels more full. He feels sure of himself. Even though she knows and repeatedly tells him he's a fool, <laughs> the fool that he is, still he feels more secure in all the other circumstances, except with her. <laughs> but in the public, he feels stronger. This is the general course. We know ourselves better with the help of others who know us. So Radha knows Krishna better than better than Krishna. She knows him. She understands him. Therefore, she she has him. She she she's his controller. Then so she's the source. She's above him. This, of course, is the devotee of Vaishnavism. All the religions are teaching that God is the most worshipable object, and we are teaching what is the worshipable object of God. This is turning the whole religious world on its head. This is the unique contribution of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. You won't find this idea anywhere. So if you look objectively, it's our subjective reality that Gaudiya Vaishnavism is the zenith of theistic thought. But there is some objectivity with which we can make our case. Where do we find such ideas about God that would cause him to blush? if they're told in public. Then we'll take the yogis out of the trance. What? Krishna, the source of our meditation, is crying, is bewildered, is hiding in the bushes. With emphasis on Shakti. So it's a very uh, unique contribution to the world, And we look and see the different religious conceptions and so forth, and they all offer us some insight into the nature of, of the Absolute. At least we can say this is talking about something different about the Absolute. Whether it's highest or not, you decide, but it's talking about something different, about the love life of the Absolute. You may hear from Rumi and the Sufis, about kind of a romantic idea of being in love with the Absolute. But we don't find any information about the, the Absolute's love life. Only some idea that we may think metaphorically along those lines. But that the Absolute has such life as animated by, ro by romantic love. This is very. Uh, it's so. Um, it's 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 sacrilegious. That's what they think. We think it's the zenith of theism, and they think it is a sacrilegious idea. Even from Baikunta, they will think like that. What? 
Lakshmi is the Dasi of Narayana. Only behind closed doors in Vaikuntha is he known to be henpecked by her alone. She knows. She was disturbed when the gatekeepers were cursed, angered the Kumaras. There's something behind that. Narayan having to pacify her. It's behind the cause of the fall of one of the causes, the fall of Jai Bijai. But that cannot be known in, in the public place in Vaikuntha. So these ideas are unheard of in Vaikuntha that Krishna will be wrestled to the ground, that he will be massaging his devotees' feet. Unheard of. It's un, un, unacceptable. Sacrilegious. Unknown there. So this uh, very... Uh, turned the religious world upside down on its head. Difficult to follow. Easy to misconstrue also. So what else? Another question? At what point does the reverence and reverential kind of life change into love Mm-hmm. Pujala Raga Pata Gaurava Bhange Maktala Sadhujan Kirtan Range. This was a, a poem, part of a poem written by Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsati Thakur. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsati Thakur was living in Mayapur and all the Gaudiya people, all the Gaudiya renunciates were living in Vrindavan or Navadweep or Jagannath Puri where they did their bhajan and cultivated their inner life. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsati Thakur had the idea to go to Calcutta and open a temple there. And he was cautioned, don't go there, that is a land of Maya. And his idea was, that wherever there is Krishna, there cannot be Maya, so I will take Krishna there. So he had this idea to open a temple in Calcutta. It doesn't sound very extraordinary to us, but if you understand the times and the way in which Vaishnavas had been conducting themselves for centuries, it was very revolutionary because it would involve leaving the Dham, for one, which you might do on foot to go to another Dham. You might leave on foot to go from Vrindavan to Puri or from Puri to Navadweep. Navadweep to Puri to celebrate the Ratha Yatra or something like that. Not very often because it takes a long time to walk there. So once you get there, you stay there for a few years. Maybe another year you go. And, but to leave the Dom to go to Calcutta, that was unheard of. And what to speak of by conveyance, like in a motor car or something like that. And to do what? To make a building for which you needed money and so forth. So we're all here, of course, because of that idea. We understand that it has spiritual merit to 
think outside of the box for someone who has realization. We should expect that kind of a thing. We saw that in Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. He went to Calcutta, and there first they rented a house. He established the deities in a rented house, and then he sent his disciples out to raise funds to build a marble temple. So not just a temple, but a marble temple. That mean it would cost even more money. So they were going to people and asking the disciples of Sastri Thakur for money to build a temple for Mahaprabhu and Radha Govinda and a marble temple. So whatever money they were getting, they were throwing at this temple. And people are thinking there are so many good causes. And, well, they want a temple, okay. We'll give some money for a temple. But now they want a marble temple. And the big altar and nice, everything wonderful for the deity. So they're just throwing this money, collecting this money, and from one perspective, throwing it away. Just throwing it away to build a marble temple for the deity. So when the temple was finished and they moved the deity on a palanquin in a procession from the rented house to the temple, then this poem was sung and this one line is to be highlighted. Pujapatridamarsh had it engraved on the on the wall in this temple. Pujala Raga Patagauravabange Maktala Harijan Kirtanarange. Pujala Ragpata, Gaurava. Gaurava means respect. The Ragmarg of spontaneous love, intimate love, beyond reverential love, dutiful love, where the gap, the bridge between object of worship and the worshippers. The gap is bridged. Worshipper becomes one with the object by becoming the love that corresponds with the object, the two being one and different, Radha, Krishna, so forth. Love of Krishna and Krishna are one and different. So Pujala Raghapata Gaurava, he said that we shall worship the Ragmarg with Gaurava, we will show our reverence to that plane, to that kind of bhakti. Gaurava Bhangai. And that Gaurava Bhangai, that's your question, it will be crossed over. When will it be crossed over? Matala Harijanakirtanarange, he said. So, we will do the Sankirtan. And his idea of Sankirtan included this outreach going to Calcutta, building the temple, and taking all the things that we revere, money, and what we can acquire with that, and throwing it at the deity, throwing it away. We are to send our men and women, they will go and they will collect the money from the people, and they won't keep it, they will throw it at the temple. And it would help the people take the things in their hearts that they now revere out and whatever traces in the heart of the devotee, that will come out. No reverence, no regard for worldly pursuits and accumulation and so forth, acquisition. 
And that was his idea of Sankirtan. So Kirtan, by doing Kirtan in a dynamic way like this, there will come a point when Gauravabhange, we will worship the Rag Mark, we will speak about it. We will not think I am treading it, but we will glorify it as the objective, as the ideal. And in the context of doing that, we will empty our hearts out, chetu tarpa namarjana, of any reverence for anything else. And we will engage the people in the same way. And in the context of doing that, that Gaurava Bhanga, that will be crossed over naturally. Therefore, worship Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and live in Vrindavan. Prabhupada said, my place of worship is Mayapur, my place of residence is Vrindavan. The more you worship Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the more you become dear to Radha. This is automatic. Enter the Kirtan Chivas Thakur's house. Mahaprabhu entered Kirtan Chivas Thakur's house. No one could enter except his immediate associates. But some nice people waited outside. He came out for them. Then he performed his leela and showed the way to go into that Kirtan. How to enter there. He showed the way that we shall follow him and enter into the Kirtan at Srivas Thakur's house. And then he will say to you, and see who I am and who you are. I am Govinda, and you are so-and-so. According to our sentiment, he did this. Mahaprabhu did this with his own associates. I am Krishna. You are Sridham. Let's just say, you are so-and-so. So he do that to you, too. So this is the way. We should have... not do reverential love, we should revere the Rag Marg. That we should participate in the worship of Radha and Krishna, follow in the footsteps of those on the Rag Marg, worship them, glorify that, think, keep that ab- like above our head. And in the context of Sankirtan, that Gaurava, that respect, that will be crossed over. Then you become a participant there. So. You don't have to think about, when will I switch from Vidhi Marg to Rag Marg? No, you make the Rag Marg your ideal now. That is your ideal. You can refine that with the help of your guru. That is your ideal. It's like you go to the shopping mall and they have a map and it says, you know, you are here. And you can go here or here. So you want to know where you're going to go and you want to know where you are, both things. Then you have to put those two together, make sense out of the whole thing. I want to go here, but I am here. So how will I go there? What will be the way? The main part of the way is keeping where I'm going in mind so you don't get distracted along the way. There are many other shops. So this is the main part of your bhajan, where I'm going. That you have to have in mind. And then that will motivate everything you do, all the service that you do. You have to understand this. The idea of being Krishna's associate in Vrindavan is very attractive to Krishna. Nobody's interested practically. Everybody wants something else from him 
or even without him, they think. But this is what makes him tick. That Krishna is Brajabasi. Krishna is the son of Yashoda. He is the friend of freedom. That's who he is. More than anything else. There may be other aspects of him, but that's who he, he really is. Therefore we say Swam Bhagavan, as he is, when he wants to be himself. Swam means like Bhagavan himself. When he wants to close the door and just be himself. But these are the people who are with him. Now, if you are so audacious that you have the idea that you would like to be one of them, it seems like you're a little bit, you know, you're down here and you want to be there. Don't you think you should be qualified? And a, The main qualification is even wanting that because, you see, that is so dear to Krishna. He loves them so much because they love him so much. And so he thinks, you want to be like them? Immediately you get his attention. So this should be our aspiration. That in itself, that will fuel our whole practice. Most people want something material from him. Oh, maybe they want eternal life. Krishna's just bored by this. Or they want to worship him as God. Okay. I'll show up. I'm here. Thank you. Close the curtain. Like that. That's what it's like. Through karma marg, they worship him with so many rules. There's no love there. Like I said last night, where there are rules, there's no love. Where there's love, there's no rules. They want to get something from him. Just a, just a business negotiation. Send me a fax. <laughs> I don't have to come personally. I'll fax it to you. So it's not much there for them. They want eternal life without him. Okay, you take that. You want to go to Vaikuntha? All right, I'll be present for that. I'll show up for that. But at a distance. But in Golok, then, as I said, he's so alive from the bhakti that he never sleeps. Narayana is sleeping at least half the time. Mahavishnu is sleeping and then the world is dreaming about all, we're all his dream. Krishna is constantly awake 24-7. And what is animating that was keeping him awake is that devotion, that kind of bhakti. That so he thrives on this. what makes Krishna tick. So wanting to be like that means really wanting to be close with him. What, I want to be what you, with you on your terms, what you're like. If somebody comes and they want to be associated with me, for what reason? They want to get something. Okay. I say, okay, somebody's at the door. They get, give them something and send them away. They want to come because they want your knowledge. They want something you have, but to serve you or to know what you want. What do you want? I want to know what you want. Huh? What? You want to know what I want? Say that again. You sure about that? Well, that's interesting. Close the door. That's very interesting. You're interested in that. Huh. And he'll chuckle. And how you'll be interested. Because you see someone else is close and you like the way he's close. So that, then you like someone he likes. 
also. So this is this is very attractive to Krishna. This is therefore the, the hub, so to speak, around which our bhakti should move, as remote as it may be. As I say, you may be here and he may be there. Still, the message of Mahaprabhu is, this is available to you for the taking. It may take some time, but still, that we should focus. This is my ideal. Because in the mall, there are many stores and many paths, escalators up and down and so forth. So we don't want to get distracted along the way. So you focus on the goal with the help of your guru, you fix that goal, and then everything is orbiting around that. Pursuing its uh, a role there. Hmm? In a practical way, you have to cleanse the heart first. But why? So why I'm cleansing the heart? Why I would like to be free from an arthas. We don't just pray, oh Krishna, please free me from an arthas. Why? That's important. If you just want to be free from an arthas, that's not going to be very intense. Okay, yeah. But if you have a reason for that, because then I will be in a better position to serve you as you like. This has to permeate our our thinking in our culture, Krishnanushilanam. That means that you are on the ragmarg already, but you just don't have any ruchi for that. So, ajata ruchi, rag. It's kind of an oxymoron because the rag is all based on ruchi, taste. You don't have any. But still, by good association, you have an interest in that. So, what can you do? That interest has been awakened in you, and so... You're standing for that. Ruchi will come then in, in due course of time. We just have to attend to that which is necessary at the, at, the, at the moment. First you have to go turn left, turn right, up the stairs, and so forth. And you have to do have to pay attention to what's right in front of you, but not at the, at the uh, cost of remembering your, your ideal. That is the motivating kind of primary motivating factor of our sadhana. And gradually then, an artist will be removed, there will be steadiness, and taste will come. Loss of interest in the whole world. Paramatma is in your heart, right? Guiding everything. He presides over the material world. But when Nadanam comes, Nadanam, Nasundarim, Kavitamba, as Mahaprabhu prayed, when I have no desire for wealth, relationship, followers, Nadanam, Nadanam, Nasundarim, Kavitam, learning for the sake of learning, which is a high thing, Nadanam, Nadanam, Nasundarim, Kavitamba, Jagadisha Kamaye. This Jagadish. Lord of the world, he leaves the heart. What's there to preside with? He presides over the world and all these desires. Mama Janmani Janmani Ishwari Babatat Bhakti Rai Mama Janmani Janmani Ishwari. This Ishwar, then, the Jagad Ishwar is replaced with the Pran Ishwar, the Lord of one's life. The Paramatma is not the Lord of one's life, he is the order supplier. For your own life, <laughs> separate life. 
in Krishna Bhakti, Krishna becomes the Pranishwar, the Ishwar, the Lord of your life. It means uh, your life is revolving around Him. So, Yam Shama Sundaram, Achintyaguna Sarupam, He comes in the heart. Then you can say Krishna is in the heart. And Mahaprabhu prayed what? From Ruchi to Asakti, taste came, and that taste is particular. It's steady, reliable, and it's particular. And so Krishna is coming to respond to that particular taste in a particular way, showing himself. What comes first? Radha or Krishna? You see, bhakti or Krishna. This analysis, the bhakti is coming for Krishna, and Krishna is coming. The corresponding form appearing in the heart, a glimpse of one's prospect, and then one enters into bhava bhakti and so forth. So, so we we are already practicing, but this is the way we practice ragmar. We revere Ragmark. We don't do reverential worship of Narayan, Lakshmi and Narayan and think that will turn into spontaneous, intimate love for Radha and Krishna. No, we worship Radha and Krishna. Gaur Nityananda, Krishna and Ram. Different sentiments may be there. We worship them, but appropriately, according to where we are on the path. So do, do kirtan. And in a dynamic way. Therefore, these kind of monasteries and so forth, the missions with book printing and all, this is all a good thing. This gets us to, enables us to, to take the, the, that which we have reverence for, regard for, money, and all the things it can buy, and throw it at Krishna, throw it at the mission, print the book, open the temple, and so forth. After all, Wherever your money goes, then you'll go there. Your thoughts will go there. And money represents all of our desires. It's useless. We should give it to someone who will throw it in the Ganges. And that's what it will look like. Why Gurudev is spending money on that? I don't know if I should, I don't know if I should give money. They're spending money on it. Why do they need such a big temple? Yes. <laughs> We can spend unlimitedly. It's, we can just throw it away. We can burn it. You have to understand that. If you work hard and give me all your money and then I burn it, what will you think? That will be difficult to digest. huh? But we just do it in a little bit nicer way. But if we throw it in the fire, sacrifice, that's yes. What comes out is a temple, comes out as a book, comes in another form that you can uh, take advantage of much more than in its raw form, which might have taken you in another direction. <laughs> so we have regard for that. We, we have reverence for our money. We are always conscious of that. Where is the money? How much is in the bank? I thought I had a $20 bill in my pocket. 20 pounds. Where did it go? See, we're <laughs> thinking that. You have to think like that about Krishna, right? How you think about money, that you should think about Krishna. Then you can understand what's the difference between Krishna consciousness and some other consciousness is. 
We'll be very careful how, how we spend that. How we protect it, take care of that. So the big idea of Bhaktisiddhanta Sashitaka with regard to kirtan in a dynamic way was to create facilities out of sacrifice of the monastics and have a relationship with the lay community that they're like the stomach feeding. They want family, so they have to work for that. And beyond their basic necessities, they have their fund money, their disposable income. They throw that in the fire. They burn that up to learn how, what value it has. It only has value in the right, right hands. So we throw it in the fire and it comes out as a temple or as a book or, or something like that. Or the sadhus, plane fair or something. <laughs> something like that. In this way we turn our reverence towards the Ragmar. This is something that should be promoted. I may not be able to participate entirely there and enter the Leela, but this idea, this should be shared about. This should be showcased. This should be facilitated in the world in some way, as best I can participate in that. Let me help to make known to the world such a thing exists, such a thing has happened. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has appeared in the world. And such a th- the doors to the private life, the entrance into the heart of the Absolute is possible. It's very objective. It may not be the most popular idea out there, but don't expect it to be necessarily either. After all, people have desires. What do they want? Even if they become religious, then, then what, what do they want out of that? So many things. Still, if we look at the religious kind of landscape, we find so many ideas about God. This is a very extraordinary idea given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this very, that should give it some time. Give it, I mean, Christianity has been funded, well-funded. <laughs> by wealth, it has, it has gone all over the world. That's how it's gone, by wealth. Initially, some sacrifice, but when the Roman Empire gave in, then some wealth, and then they went and conquered other nations, and built the treasure chest, and so forth, by wealth. Of course, our wealth is our humility, but we don't have much of it, so that's the problem. It's not growing. The reason the Krishna consciousness is not growing at a rate, it could grow faster, even, than a religious tradition funded by wealth, and it should, if it had such riches of the time of humility that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu speaks about in the Shikshastakam when he says, Trinadapi Sunichena. To be more humble than a blade of grass. This is this he said. This kind of thinking, chanting with this spirit, brain will come very quickly. So you have to think. I want the goal of prem. That's very high. How high is it? That I think turn out a piece in each and is very high. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. But I can't even bend that much. And that rup shakti is so flexible. Whatever Krishna wants. That swarup, that form in the leela to associate with Krishna is so supple. I can't even think of bending my head, maybe once. Or, but on the harmonist, I chastised a fellow for a comment that he made. 
the other day. And then he said, well, today I'm feeling a little humble, so I accept that. And I wrote back, why only today? That is the problem. <laughs> why only today? That was spread Mahaprabhu's teaching everywhere. So we say, okay, Marsh, I'll be humble and keep my money. <laughs> no, but the poor, they will be humble also. <laughs> Naturally, keep ourselves a little, a little humble in that way will be good. And it's worth this idea of wealth funding, worth funding, as I say, no doubt. If we have funds, we should give. And then it is said also what that if someone is very dear to Krishna, then he takes everything away from them, makes them dependent upon him, and humble. I have no other recourse than to take shelter of Krishna. Nothing material is coming my way, even. So I have to believe in the invisible. I'll make something out of that. And there's something to be made out of that. So, this kind of thinking is important. That is the way to tread the Ragmarg. We must become humble, to show respect to others. And that means we have to respect their ideas also to an extent, to the extent that we, if we are to challenge them, we should know what they are, understand them, and not just say, oh, you're wrong because it's not in our book. No, that's a very a credible kind of argument. And by your character, by your example, of course, then you should be able to change hearts. So all these things are important for treading the rock mark. So you have to get them in place. And then you're on the rock mark in theory, and then in, really in practice you will be, as Ruchi comes, but it will come after Trinatapis and Ichena, that is Nishta, then you become truly like cemented on the path. Then from that in time, taste will come. Then attachment, taste for bhakti comes. Attachment for bhakti. Then comes attachment for the object of bhakti in a particular way corresponding with the kind of bhakti I'm attached to. Then those two elements come together in ruchi and asakti. Then you have what you need for bhava bhakti to cultivate that. So, what else? Any other thought? I'm not sure if I'll be able to ask you another word. But, um, one of the previous acharyas I think was Bhaktivinoda he said that in the material world, every, everything has to have a form. Like if we are following this spiritual path, we need uh, some rules to be on this path. And then from that form, we can experience um, something spiritual. And in, on the other hand, the spiritual, spiritual world, uh, from the emotion comes the form. Could you say something more about this? Well, I don't know how coherent your question is, to be frank with you, but um, ideas need a shape. Now, I don't really understand the difference because uh, if there need to be a shape, a form in which 
sadhana bhakti can express itself. That shape that's given, for example, in the form of a mission or something like that, a temple, it's all coming from the heart of a devotee. So it's the expression of his own emotion, if you will, sentiment, bhava. And then we get to hold on to, we get to get to tangibly kind of have a handle to grab onto such a thing. That the, the feeling of a devotee is what we are about. We were inspired by that. He or she has some feeling for this thing. And so it's compelling to us. So he or she, the acharya, then manifests that feeling in a way that's tangible that we can hold on to and identify with. And we are to hold on to that in such a way that we come within that feeling. And so the form, if you will, of religious expression or spiritual expression manifest by the charges coming from his or her heart and spiritual experience. And in the spiritual realm, in the Paravyom, the form is also an expression of their spiritual emotion. Here the emotion will be, you know, we're talking about karunya, compassion. Oh, it has a form that it takes. But the form and the guidelines that may be given and so forth. Like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he's like, like a great waterfall of ecstasy. But the Goswamis took it and they turned it into a lake so that you could swim in that, bathe in that, take, drink from that, take advantage of it in the form of their literature. In other words, they institutionalized it kind of in a soft way in, in the form of literature, the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They gave a shape to it that we could take advantage of it. Then we may take from the book and give more shape to it in the form of a building. The more you give shape to it, the more it lends itself to possibly being corrupted. It's harder to corrupt the book than it is to corrupt the institution, <laughs> which is also, you know, possible. But uh, at any rate, there are problems with institutionalization, and I realize that. But nonetheless, that is the means by which we could take advantage of something like, as I say, the metaphorically, the waterfall of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Mahabhav, his ecstasy. You're just going to stand back and wonder, what is that? That's attractive, but it's scary, too. He's crying all the time. Pulling his hair out. What is that? And there's a Goswami wrote about that. This is the essence of the Upanishads. Really? That? Yes, this is why he explained it all. And so then we find, oh, that's... It be, then it becomes approachable. And then someone decides to you know, make a mission out of that and build a temple and all these things to help us take advantage of it. And when we take advantage of it, then we just cry like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We can't read the book anymore because it's the pages have all been drenched and the ink is all merged. We can't get up and go to the temple because Krishna is appearing in our heart. All those things become unnecessary then. They have a purpose in our practicing life. Okay. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.